Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, folks, I am John Najarian, and this is Compound Interests. Compound Interests, I get to talk one-on-one -on -one with uh, some fabulous luminaries, celebrities, stars of stage and screen, and uh, this week it was John Cass, uh, a fabulous uh, conversation with John. He is the son of a Greek immigrant grocer, um, lived on the south side of Chicago, grew up there, um, and then worked his way up to become a columnist and on the editorial board of the Chicago Tribune, one of the most prestigious spots on the Chicago Tribune, a spot that Mike Royko, somebody uh, who a lot of us uh, really uh, admired as well, one of the columnists here in Chicago, uh, that's where Mike Royko was. That's where John Cass is now. And he's got a podcast called The Chicago Way. We had a wide-ranging conversation about politics, which he's covered for virtually his entire career, as well as um, maybe some of the virtue signaling and things like that that people do. Um, I think you're going to enjoy the conversation, and I encourage you, by the way, to give us a five-star rating and to share the podcast with a friend. I appreciate your time. Let's listen to John Cass from the Chicago Tribune and his podcast, The Chicago Way. I loved, John, when I was looking through um, your career that you started off at the Daily Calumet, and I know where that is, and I'm thinking a lot of our national and international folks don't know where that is. 91st in Baltimore, right? Bang. On the south side. On the southeast side, people in Chicago don't even know there's an east side, you know? <laughs> east side, okay? Yeah, they, they think the right. east side is the lake. <laughs> right. Or they think it's in New York someplace, right? Um, and by the way, John, we, uh, well, you started your career at the Trib in 1980. I started my career in Chicago in 1981 when I was trying to play football for the Bears. That didn't work out so well. I played four games and got cut. But as, hey, you as made I it. like to well, You made the NFL. You're a former NFL player. And That's right. That's right. And so, I know you played football at Richards on the south side. I was, uh, uh, yeah, I started, but I was a 160-pound right guard. Oh, my God. One of those guys you played in high school that were really mean. Mm -hmm. uh, the only way they could survive is, uh, you know how Michelle says, go low? Yeah. I'd go low on the first play in the right spot, and let, then let's see what happens after but I'm really glad, especially since you, you were an NFL player and you were not a kicker. You're an Armenian guy who wasn't a kicker. There you go. Gero Upramian. <laughs> yeah, great kicker. And, uh, and I just like that. I also, my cousin also played a little ball for Buffalo for about, I don't know, 12, 14 years. Oh, Fred, my gosh. That's a huge career. Fred Smurless. He played. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's also a guy you might want to have on the podcast because... Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I, I mean, mean, I remember watching that guy play. He's a big man, too. Big mustaches. Yeah, he looks like a, like a Greek bandit. You know? <laughs> and I also have to ask you another uh, uh, ethnic question, if I could. Sure. The, the Armenian community is small. Mm -hmm. I mean, thanks a lot, Turks. You killed about almost all of them. But also... Uh, small in Chicago, but one of my great friends is uh, probably the best chef in the country, the big, uh, Kerry Nahabedian. Oh, yeah. Naha. You, you ever go? Naha and Brandil. You ever go? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to go there together. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring a bot, you know, when they let you again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, She's open now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. But yeah. it, it's just so tough on these. In fact, John, yesterday, uh, we're, we're recording this, folks, on uh, the 22nd of August. And yesterday, the 21st Friday, I was on the halftime report on CNBC. And uh, Kevin O'Leary, you know, Mr. Wonderful yeah. from Shark Tank, um, I enjoy him. Um, and uh, the host wasn't enjoying him much at all. <laughs> but Kevin was uh, basically saying, look, 
20% of uh, businesses are going to fail here. At least 20% will fail and never come back. And the host was just throwing up his hands and, you know, so upset about that and so forth. And so when, when they were done with their discussion, John, I jumped in and I said, guys, you know, just like, uh, you know, the Supreme Court Justice Roberts said, you know, elections have consequences. I said, shutting down the economy has consequences. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have closed things for a period of time. But when you keep things shut for four and five months, John, um, you know, you're, you're going to cripple businesses. I mean, massively cripple businesses. And they need that, that helping hand. Um, you know, they think that, oh, you're, you're ruining capitalism by doing it. You're ruining capitalism by shutting down, by the government forced shutdowns. Um, and publicly traded companies, sure, a lot of those will survive. Um, but especially the private ones, who, who, John, you mentioned Nahabidian. I guarantee you she has millions of dollars into, that, into those restaurants, each of them. Because you don't open a restaurant these days unless you've got two to four million dollars in the city of Chicago, and probably double that in New York. And then you've got, of course, inventory, not just the liquor. The liquor's fine. But if you have somebody that gets sick. The veal doesn't list. Yeah. The veal. You know what? I, I always, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an anomaly because mm -hmm. I did not go to a fancy college. I went to a college with a bunch of lefties. I was like the token conservative at Columbia College. Although it was, I learned a lot. Good, good instructors. The instructors were professionals, you know, so yep. I wanted to know what they knew. But uh, one thing I've noticed in my years in journalism, not too many people, and I've asked this among when we have discussions. I go, any, any of you payroll? Have you ever made a payroll? Have you ever had like other families dependent on you when you sign the check for them? And no one raises their hands, right? No one. And I think it's because they don't, you know, they're not from business. I grew up in a small business. My father had a business. We had to pay off the inspectors. We had to pay off the politicians. We had to deal with the customers and everything was on a razor thin margin. And for them to shut down, look at, uh, just at this Democratic National Convention, uh, John, and the Republican one follow, and a lot of it's infomercial. But, sure. but uh, they talk about, uh, they show you, in, they show the speakers in empty schoolrooms, right? Mm -hmm. They show, uh, they talk about closed businesses and lost jobs. Who's shutting them down? The blue go blue state governors are yep. sh are shutting down business. You can't even in Chicago now. You've got Catholic schools open, but public schools aren't open. Why, my brother? So that means mom and dad can't work, or at least one of them can't work. Because my brothers, yeah, my brothers. Uh, as Chris, uh, your colleague said, he knows him. Uh, my brother runs a grocery store, supermarket in Na in uh, Naperville. Okay, in the suburb of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, all those cashiers go to work every day. They go to work every day. They deal with hundreds and maybe thousands of people a day in a, in a busy store. Aren't they frontline workers? Don't they count? Or is it just the teachers? I don't want to see anybody get sick. No. You know, but if you have comorbidity, stay home. But if you're young and healthy and you're teaching five-year-olds or seven-year-olds, come on, man. Go to work. Yeah, I agree. Kids and need to be in school. Scott, and we need to this, open up our country. Yep. A lot of it is, and if I'm being generous, I'll say it's unintended consequences. If I'm a conspiracy guy, I'll say it's fully intended. Um, because there no, You're from Chicago. There are no, I mean, in Minneapolis first. I'd love to ask about that. Yeah. In Chicago, there are no such things as political coincidences. That's right. That's right. And I've, you know, I've been here for 38 years. I've seen a lot of that, John. Um, and I think the viewers and listeners will kind of get a taste of that as you and I talk about it. But um, 
yeah, when, when you, uh, like I say, if I want to be generous and I say it's unintended, um, all of my fellow anchors on CNBC, they were all just, you know, in, in March, the last time I was in New York was March. They were still just going crazy saying, they got to shut down the schools. They got to do this. They got to do that. And I said, where exactly are you going to go when your kids are stuck at home all day? And then they'd look at me and they'd look back and I'd say, you know, if your kids are home, are you just going to leave them home alone? You're going to come in here and your kids are going to be home alone. One of the two of you, you know, because in being New York, virtually every husband and wife, at least at CNBC and so forth, they all have to work because you can't afford a lifestyle in New York unless you're, you know, Kelly Ripa or something um, on what they pay a reporter or an anchor. Uh, you, your significant other has to work as well. And I said, where, you know, what are you guys going to do? Um, when they shut down the schools, all of a sudden you're going to have to be at home. The unintended consequence of the schools shutting down means mom or dad loses their job unless they have a remote job that they can do. You and I are lucky, I think, John, because you could do your job from anywhere with a computer these days. I'd say typewriter, but I'd be dating myself. But I don't anywhere. know why I'm not. I don't know why I'm doing it in the back of a three flat in Chicago instead of on Marco Island and fishing for tarpon in the afternoon. Yeah, that like a, <laughs> a brain, but I don't. Well, and by the way, my brother, I I know that you used to live out in Western Springs. My I brother used Pete used to live in Western Springs. How can we not? Did, how can we never got together? Ago. How can we never got together, man? You yeah, I know. And, ever, and he was on the board of that crazy pool you have out there. You know that uh, great pool? Pete was on the board of that because he was such a staunch supporter of being of, there every single day when that pool was open. <laughs> I, I, if you guys ever saw some uh, short-legged uh, fat Greek guy with a big head, oh, who am I describing? And uh, roasting a lamb outside his, on his front lawn. For Easter, that would have been me. You should have stopped by for some. Oh, if I would have smelled nice. it, I would have been by. You know, the, the thing you were talking about with the uh, media not understanding uh, what they're supporting. I mean, a lot of it is fear. was fear at first. Mm -hmm. Is control, okay? That's part yep. of it. I see people now driving in their cars alone, and they're not Lyft drivers. And they... Am I still bleeding from that shaving cut? Jeez. No, you're right. good. And uh, and you see them in their cars alone with their masks on. And I'm like, stupid? What are you doing? What? Who are you protecting? Doing that? Are you going to get uh, COVID from your drive from your uh, from the wheel? What? What? You, uh, from the inside of the glass, you're getting COVID? What's wrong with you? It's been a cultural shift over time, over long time, not just uh, two years, in which we've shifted from the risk taker, the American as risk taker, mm -hmm. capitalist, entrepreneur, uh, or like say cowboy, you know, that was the, uh, cowboys were the uh, uh, heroes of the past in media. And they became bureau heroes became bureaucrats. Even yep. uh, Jack Bauer from Twenty Four, you know, mm -hmm. I you, I will kill you. I'll cut cut your computer chip out of your gullet to save the nation. Uh, he was a bureaucrat, so really it was like a hitman laid over. You know that that story was a hitman, but did he go? Did you go to the meeting? Were you invited to this meeting or that? And then these discussions. It was like. Like basically academics or teachers, you know, like teachers union type people. And that's who rules the culture now. So yeah. that everything is about your feelings. Everything is about your empathy, my empathy, John's empathy, your empathy out there. And everything's about uh, not taking a risk. And what happens then is that the culture changes but the numbers, as you know, John, because this is your, how you make your livelihood, the numbers have no feelings, do they? 
Do the numbers have feelings? Nope. Do numbers have empathy? Do people, do, does wheat eventually come to your table in the form of bread so you could feed your children with empathy and feelings or whatever the nonsense that they were talking about? Oh, I feel so much. I feel for you. Wheat, the pork bellies in your bacon don't care what your feelings are or your empathy. But this is how this is how we communicate. It's like ridiculous and embarrassing. Oh, I agree. And by the way, folks, uh, we're of course talking right now back and forth with uh, John Cass. Um, he has a weekly or he has a podcast called The Chicago Way. Um, one of the great lines from uh, uh, the Sean Connery uh, movie. Um, even, even Barack Obama used it once and then they scrubbed it off the internet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the Chicago way. Yeah, that's the Chicago way. That's exactly right. With, uh, by the way, his uh, WGM AM producer, Jeff Carlin, uh, co-hosts it with John. Uh, Thank you, It's John. a great podcast. You guys got to give it a listen. Um, John, um, so one of the many things that I wanted to cover with you, uh, and, you know, you've been very generous with your time, so I'm going to um, hit these as quickly as I can, but I'm, I welcome the conversation. I'm here. We're cousins, man. Cousins. Yeah, that's right. Greeks right. and Armenians. Right. Um, we rule the world. <laughs> one of these days. Right. Someday. Well, you guys did. You guys did rule the world. Yeah, We've I always know. just kind of been the, the guys in the background, the bankers and the money well, changers. You guys came along for the ride when we went to India and found out all about ghost peppers and vindaloo and brought it back home. <laughs> Well, um, John uh, was at the center of a controversy, folks, about George Soros. And it seems that if anybody writes something about George Soros, what they try to do is they try to say, well, you're writing about him because you're anti-Semitic. And, and there's, there was nothing that you put in your columns or that I ever heard from you, John, that was anti-Semitic, ever. Um, and um, I just did, uh, because I think in one of your columns, you even said, you know, did you bother to Google Soros or, you know, uh, funding protests or whatever? I did it this morning. I got 532,000 hits on Google in like a quarter of a second. I mean, yeah, that, that was I don't uh, think you're alone in knowing or, or saying what, you know, a lot of people want to sort of sweep under the rug. And that is that this guy, George Soros, um, does back a lot of crazy far left. And I, I think he'd admit that he backs a lot of these crazy far left things, um, you know, whether it's immigration, um, whether it is uh, some of these protests and so forth, and maybe even providing transportation and payment for these I protesters. I don't know anything about that, John. But I do know I don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, even um, though I... Even though I mock people for their empathy and their feelings when they're BSing us, yep. I stay strictly on what I know. What I know is uh, George Soros has contributed millions of dollars through his political action committees to far-left liberal prosecutors, the kind that we have in Chicago. That, like Kim Fox. Right. Like, mm -hmm. in other words, I could either lock you up or, no, I think I'll give you a hug. I'll give you a hug and let you go. I mean, that's the that's the social justice warrior thing. So, yep. wrote the column, and uh, Bill Ayers uh, and others, including my own um, union that I declined to join at the Chicago Tribune, uh, demanded I apologize, and they were very critical and said that the stuff that stuff didn't belong in the newspaper. And so I get, you know, I mean, I like, I, I like people, you know, I married, I marched in uh, 35 years ago, she marched in the no nuke parades against Reagan. <laughs> so I, I mean, I thought there was a time when you could date girls who didn't believe what you believed or, you know, girls could date guys of different views. Now it's all rigid. And so anyway, they, um, they attacked me, the guild attacked me, defamed me actually. And I, I had a choice. 
I had a choice. Either I was going to quit and write a letter like, oh, I'm leaving, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> I was going to stay and tell everybody, all the George Soros lovers, I'm not going to kneel. Because I watched the 300 Spartans once every, I'd say once a week I watched this. <laughs> and uh, the no kneeling, no apology, so that I want to encourage the others. I want to encourage that guy in his car that I just saw on the Stevenson in a mask alone to take the mask off when he feels like it. Speak up. This is your country. Don't be afraid. I mean, I just, I'm tired of people being afraid and they're afraid. Look, they're afraid to say, even the Democrats, uh, national convention are afraid to say that there's political violence in the streets and everybody who has eyes can see it. And people don't want to go walk downtown Chicago or New York or anywhere uh, because they're afraid of getting beat up. Can't you just say that? Can't you acknowledge the elephant in the room? By not acknowledging it, by not acknowledging what people see with their own eyes, like violence in the streets or like factory jobs shift, ship, shipped overseas or to Mexico, uh, towns hollowed out. Uh, you create a problem, a cultural issue within the country where people can't balance the nonsense they hear from politics with the reality that they have in their own eyes. Right. And uh, that's a disconnect. So that's why I keep doing it. Well, uh, and in fact, folks, I've got a, a couple sentences I'll read here from John's rebuttal um, where he said, and uh, this is in quotes, human beings do not wish to see themselves as cowards. Uh, they want to see themselves as heroes. But the current, and that's an end of quote, but the current climate has impacted that notion. And then back in quotes, it says, as they are shaped and taught to fear even the slightest accusation of thought crime, they will not view themselves as weak for falling in line. Instead, they view themselves as virtuous. And that is the sin of it, he wrote. Those who behave will be marginalized. Those who not, do not behave will be marginalized. But those who self-center will be censor rather, sorry, John, will be praised. Yet, what of our American tradition of freely speaking our minds? That too is swept away. And I think you also just said it a moment ago, John, even better, when you said uh, that, uh, you know, where are the guts? Where, where is the, um, the American spirit to say, you know, this might be your truth, if you will, but um, I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to tell you what's what's going on there when I see Seattle burning, when I see 84 nights of terror in Portland. How would you like to be in Portland right now, John, with that idiot mayor Wheeler? That's my uh, right. idiot mayor, not John Cass's words, but I think he's- a I'll call him an idiot. idiot too. He's an idiot. I, I think- Give him a Mozart. You guys have this in Armenia. His own- um, the people that elected him and those who didn't, but who live there. Um, and I have no idea. I think you're exactly right that that elephant in the room at the DNC convention, they needed to address that, John. They needed to at least have some lip service, even if they didn't intend to do anything. They needed to at least say, look, we're all for these peaceful protests and things, but gosh, guys, we're not in... We're not in favor of people burning down the the federal building. Courthouse. Yeah. Or or the ICE Center. Or, you know, I could I can hear Joe Biden mouthing this right now, even if he doesn't really believe it. But he didn't even address it. And you know that at the Republican convention, Trump and a whole bunch of others are gonna come out and decry it and are gonna come out as law and order. And if you're in one of those areas. Like you said, it's not just Philadelphia, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, New York. Sub suburbs of Minneapolis. Suburbs of Minneapolis. Minneapolis itself, John, burned for a week. Um, and that's why, but, that's one of my reasons that I thought Lori Lightfoot 
as you said, Paul Valis uh, was, you know, just uh, ripping her a new one, saying she doesn't know what she's doing. She's lost um, control, right. When you watch Minneapolis burn, and it's 400 miles away, and you've watched it burn um, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, don't you think by Friday you're getting ready because we have a much larger minority population we have a population in Chicago that has been watching that and thinking, I, I'm not down with that. I'm going to protest. And even if they're planning on peaceful protests, then all the professional, you know, uh, protesters, as well as just professional thieves are saying, this is going to be a great opportunity. I mean, the, the things that they let happen in Chicago and in New York days after Minneapolis, you must have had blinders on to not see that that was coming. The, uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Republican National Convention, which is coming up, because it's always good, good to look forward as well, right? Mm -hmm. What we'll see is, as you said, the Republicans will talk about the law and order issue. Mm -hmm. And the media, I guarantee you, will call it racist or something. They'll call yeah. it terrible. They'll call it fascism. You know, if you're a professor and you and you say, uh, you know, I, I think the, I think um, we should read the ancients. They'll chase you down and run you off the campus. But if you say law and order, you know, I'm confusing myself now. I'm sorry, but confusing metaphors. The fact is, they the the Republicans will be denounced by the media. That's part of the democratic media complex. And it bothers me because uh, what's really happening in Chicago and Minneapolis and all these cities is the hard left attacking liberal democratic administrations. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing is they're not, I mean, I don't see any Republicans, you know, putting their golf clubs down and let, let like getting out of the, you not going golfing that day. Let's go to the protest, guys. No, I don't see that. So what you've seen is the hard left going after the liberal Democratic uh, mayors in their cities. It's, a, it's a, a fight between Democrats and average people are, with, with, if they're not political, are paying for it. They're paying for it in real terms, in terms of dollars. Business is paying for it because they're gone. The condo market in Chicago, as well as every downtown like New York, leaving the cities if they can. What what's left behind are the um, the middle class that ends up getting to pay for it. And if you don't say the truth about what's happening, you're just gaslighting. And I don't like that. Neither I don't think we do either, which is why I'm here. Yeah. Well. Um... Because the numbers is, number is the number. That's what an old mayor once told me. <laughs> I got to push the dog away. Dexter, oh, nice. Away. <laughs> I locked mine outside. Oh, I should have put this one out. Um, but he just, Dexter, go away, honey. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, Dog shots are always good, too. You know, people oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think in your, one of your most recent columns, I think it might even been today's column, um, you talked about uh, that uh, silence and when people that your barber, I think you cited, and he said, silence is consent. Right. I um, can't say it in Italian, but. But, but he said it in yeah. Italian and uh, I can right. kind of read it here, John, but right. I, I don't think I can say it. Citase a consante or something like that. Beautiful. There it's you go. Key. 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 Yeah. Consente. Yeah. Silence well, is consent. Yeah. Silence equals violence, some people say, and that the left translation that. for the one right. you gave us is silence is the consent. Um, I can't believe that uh, so many people uh, just want to be silent on, like you, you and I just talked about, what's going on in Portland and Seattle. Um, Chicago, not as much. Although we did two weeks ago, of course, have that horrible night where as soon as the thunderstorm stopped, uh, a bunch of peaceful protesters <laughs> drove from the south side to the north side and looted 
um, Michigan Avenue again, um, Best Buy, Apple stores, Binnie's, um, all of these businesses again. And the mayor knew it was like, coming. They saw it on social media. And there's nothing, what, nothing like stealing a fair, there's nothing like stealing a bunch of Ferragamo bags to prove that you're down with the struggle. Right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, she, she did, she knew, I don't think they knew quickly enough mm -hmm. to give her some credit there. She allowed the first one to happen. Yep. She, they allowed, the city allowed the first riots and all that to happen. Then they raised the drawbridge. My good friend Charlie Lipson at the University of Chicago um, wrote a piece for Real Clear talking about uh, raising the raising the drawbridges is like is like a castle defense, you know. Like mm -hmm. he goes, all we needed were the Welsh bowmen on the on the ramparts. And uh, but what does that say? What is that? And now she's getting rid of no protesters on her block. She's getting rid of the protesters. Cops are getting them, you know, moving them out. Democrats don't want to talk about it at all. What does that say to the people? I don't bad as uh, many do. I know my friends criticize her. I'm a conservative. I have a lot of conservative friends. And uh, like Danny Proft, Ballas, who's not a conservative, criticizes her. But um, I think she's inexperienced in Chicago. I think she has a lack of old-time political guys who can sit around her and tell her no. Everybody needs that. And you know who really needed that? President Trump. Oh, yeah. Right? You need to, you know, like, hey, uh, Mr. President, can I have your phone? Give me your phone. I'm taking it. Keep your damn thumbs off Twitter, man. You're the president of the United States. John, if he could do that, um, he would already be up in the polls. Yeah. Um, by the way, um, this might be the first convention in modern history where the poll numbers dropped during the convention. Instead of getting excited, Biden. the numbers are dropping. You know, Trump is narrowing the gap. Why is that? He's still doing his crazy stuff on Twitter, but the Democrats had no message. Their only message was, well, he's a he's the bad orange man. You know, wh whether yes. they want to, whatever else Look. about him. You Look, know, he's a Trump, fascist. I don't, uh, he's clear, the fascists are on the other side. Yeah. The fascists are those who believe in, in big corporate and big government. Mm -hmm. Like this. That's fascism, okay? Yep. Sorry, kids, you didn't go to school because you were taught by morons who listened to Howard Zinn or Herbert Zinn or whatever his nonsense was about. Yeah. Fascism. What Trump is about is not, but uh, the fact that they cannot deal, the Democrats cannot deal with the thing, the elephant in the room, like we've been talking about, the violence. People see that. I've got fr friends of mine, you know, I mean, like, look, I would like to go take Betty to Valari. I like Valari. There's a restaurant. In it's a great restaurant. I'll meet you there. And I love Benny. And, uh, and, and I have other friends we'd like to go there, have some pasta, maybe some veal, something boca or something, and then take a walk, right? You, you ate your pasta, you take a walk, you walk to, to another place to have your dessert, but you want to walk off a little bit of that. It was a beautiful, it's a, been a beautiful summer, beautiful summer to do that, or to go to Brundeal, Cary, you know, wherever, and then take a walk in this beautiful city, tell me any guy who's got, you know, some money who can afford to go to a restaurant that doesn't wrap up the cheeseburger and uh, wa wants to spend money and take a walk with your wife. Mm -hmm. Anybody, anybody doing that in Chicago or New York, anybody doing that in Portland or, you know, anybody yeah. doing any city now, San Francisco, Really? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. there are probably a few, but I'm not Michael Bloomberg, so I hire a bunch of, you know, tough guys to walk a rock behind me with bulges in their jackets. Right. Well, John, I mean, uh, for months, I was uh, saying what uh, I was hearing, because I grew up in San Francisco, 
and then we moved to New York when uh, to uh, Minneapolis when I was 12. Um, so I have a lot of friends in the Bay Area still and in LA and they're fleeing. And when I would say that on Twitter, um, people would come at me and say, oh, if they're fleeing, you know, why aren't the home prices dropping and this and that. And then finally, finally, somebody cites Zillow and Zillow put out a bunch of uh, facts about the Bay Area and all the people that are leaving. They're saying, I'm done with this. I'm paying these huge taxes and I'm just getting crushed in the Bay Area, for instance, in San Francisco. And the homeless don't even use bags. I mean, like the bag for your dog. Yeah. Uh, I, do I want to pay insane taxes and get knocked over the head on the head when I'm walking from a great, one of those great Italian restaurants? Mm -hmm. uh, what to, to what to do what? Look at look at um, Wisconsin and Indiana here. Mm -hmm. What do you think's going on there? I just I just interviewed the uh, Secretary of Commerce for for uh, Indiana for a future column. You know what he's doing? No. He's going on vacation. He's he's working 24-7. And you know who he's meeting with? Chicago businesses. Yeah. Chicago businesses. You know why? Because guys are like, I'm done. Yep. Come here. Right. I, I mean, right now, John, I'm broadcasting from uh, Michigan City, Indiana, Sheridan Beach. Oh, and nice. I love it down here. And uh, Could you pick up some tomatoes for me? Yeah, <laughs> we got room for you. Oh yeah, um, thanks. We we uh, my wife and I bought a place down here right after we got married. Um, now we've got three places down here because we rent a couple of them out, and we have one over here. The place is booming. Um, the restaurants from Chicago, many of the same restaurateurs that said, and it it was it started obviously before the violence. But right. they started moving those restaurants down here because rent, they can afford it, taxes lower. And now with people, uh, I mean, I can, and I have been able to literally throughout the entire shutdown, John, I've been able to go out to a restaurant down here and eat inside when it was cold, you know, granted with a lower amount of folks, but still you could go out and eat in a restaurant. And now with the outdoor dining and so forth, it, it's practically like normal and you go to Chicago and it's like, you know, the movie contagion or something like that. I from mean, a business, you can't believe from, it. From a business perspective. I mean, just look at the way that politicians look at it. Mm -hmm. Chicago, just for a restaurant, you can only have 25% of your tables. Yep. Right. But you have to pay 100% of your tax. 100% of all your fees to the state, the city, the county, and all that. They don't just say, hey, you know what? You're re which we, we imposed a cut of, on your revenue stream, so we're going to cut our ta taxes. Do they say that? No. Indiana, the, 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 or Wisconsin, I don't, I don't know Wisconsin, but Indiana, the taxes are much lower. So if, even if they did that, the impact on businesses wouldn't be the same. And the same thing goes for everything in business. My, my problem is journalists don't, didn't grow up, many of them did not grow up in family businesses. Like, I, I don't know anything about money. My, John, I have to call you later so you can advise me. Because uh, I'm going to take all those, all whatever meager savings I have and put it into pork bellies until after the election. <laughs> I was thinking about that. But um, the... The fact is that people in journalism don't meet with people in business. They don't have any empathy for it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. We're like teachers unions now. We're a bunch of Karens in many respects. And uh, we got to get back to, I don't, okay, I don't want to bring back the cowboy, but I gotta, I'm going to watch that movie, Lonely Are the Brave. Mm -hmm. You know the last cowboy in the in the modern world, and he goes and gets finally gets hit by a truck. You didn't want to handle it. I mean, the fact is, cowboys can go away, but if business goes away, if the entrepreneur goes away, if the investor doesn't take risks, 
what happens to the country? There's, then there's no bread or bacon for the Karens to have nourishment so they can scream at us. Yeah. They're going to be hungry. Right. Well, um, one of the things, John, that uh, because of the business I'm in and so forth, uh, you know, managing money, looking at companies, looking at bottom lines and uh, so forth, trading, um, is that I look at New York shutting down for months, you know, March, April, May, June, July, August, you know, six months of shutdown. And again, we talked already about Nahabidian and the big restaurants and things like that. Right. Your, your friends and mine, I'm sure, at Gibson's, Gibson's Italia, you know, all of these great restaurants, the people that, you know, really put themselves out there. There's not an appreciation for those entrepreneurs. Um, when you do shut down that long, um, you lose chefs. They're going to go somewhere else. You know, that chef... Um, has bills, uh, just like we all do. That chef, if, if Florida's open, if Texas is open, if um, Arizona's open, they're going to go there because they have to earn a living somewhere. They can't just sit there, usually that chef, or the, whether it's a sous chef, whether it's the, the person that runs the desserts and the bakery and all the rest of that. Um, you've decimated a lot of these restaurants with their top talent. And not just the restaurants, but the suppliers. Yep, the suppliers. There's a there's a guy, Mino's uh, Prime Steaks. Do you know those guys? I, I know the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. great. They used to only supply restaurants. I called up these guys, and because a friend of mine said, "Yeah, they're selling steaks to individuals," and my wife was saying, "Hey, I'm hearing steaks are going to be hard to come by," which is not true, but right. <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah. I called these guys at Mino's Prime Steaks and the guys, one day delivery, you know, the very next day they bring you a big box of fresh cut, uh, you know, New York strips, bone-ins, whatever, tomahawks, whatever right. you wanted. And they've had to morph, they've had to change their business to survive and God bless them, they did. There are some businesses though, John, that can't do that. When you shut them down, they're just gonna, like Kevin O'Leary said, 20% are going to go out of business. And again, Pretty. the host, Scott Wapner's just like, I can't believe you're saying that. Neither you didn't want to hear it? Well, Wait, we've this... had others that have come on the network and have said, you should just let the airlines fail. You should just, and it's like, why? You shut them down. I mean, like right now, if I want to go to New York, John, yeah. I have to quarantine once I get there for 14 days before I can even work in New York. Now, granted, there are ways around that because who the hell's going to know unless I tell or post pictures right. or something? Right. How do they know I'm in New York? But you can't. Um, and lawyers, right. Yeah. Liability. You can't shut yeah, these right. businesses down and then expect uh, a vibrant economy. I mean, California, here's a number for you. Um, California went from a $5.5 billion surplus to a $54 billion deficit. Now, so which is why Pelosi and those guys want this big bailout right. because those, that state is, it's not done. I mean, you know, I could be, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go there, but New York. It's almost and, done. Yeah, New York and, and California. Illinois. Gonna, yep. Illinois is almost done. I mean, when you, you the number's the number, okay? Yep. And if you have just political unions buying bonds I mean, I, I don't know who's buying the bonds of states that are almost broke, but yeah. it might be, I just got a suspicion, it might be the same unions that are breaking it. So what do you have? It's called a Ponzi scheme, okay? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's gonna break. That's yeah. why they want that money. They want billions and billions to, so that taxpayers from Tennessee, Indiana, can subsidize the politics of the blue states. It's wrong. I don't want the states to fail, but they have, to, but if you feed a junkie, guess what? He's not going to go to the, he's not going to church. I mean, sometimes I see, you see a homeless guy on the street. He's like, man, I've got a story. I'm like, man, don't give me a story. Don't say I need 87 cents. What do you need? You know? Yeah. I want a drink. Okay. Here, take five. You know, mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm sorry if that's politically incorrect, but I hate lecturing people when you're giving them some cash. Yeah, I love that Madigan, Kathleen Madigan has a great joke about that, John. Really? Where she says, you know, this homeless guy asked her for money and she gives him five bucks. And her brother says, man, why'd you give that guy five bucks? Her brother says, uh, he's just going to spend it on booze and cigarettes. And she said, that's what we're going to spend it on. <laughs> exactly. Why are you surprised he's going to spend it on booze and cigarettes? But the secret is, <laughs> I'm not digging into your pocket, John, mm -hmm. the money to give to the guy who doesn't know how to spend his money. Yeah. I'm doing it out of my pocket. And that's what this whole uh, tr multi-trillion dollar bailout bill is about. It's about if I have uh, if the, the political unions, I'm not talking about carpenters and electricians, okay? I'm talking about the government, the government unions that work for the state and the city and all these different states. The politicians raise our taxes. They fund the unions with our money, which Roosevelt said was the wrong thing to do. And then the same unions go out and work the pro political precincts for the politicians to get elected, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like Nancy Pelosi endorsed by SEIU or whatever, the, the public workers union, they're all together. All right, but who's paying for it? Me. I don't want to pay for it. I don't think that my taxes should go to, subs to uh, subsidize your politics when you're destroying my state, if it work, California, Illinois, all these states. And that's what's going on. And I'm surprised that uh, and Trump I, I, are not able to articulate that. What they're doing is taking money from people that managed well, and they're saying, you give us more so I can spend it on booze and cigarettes. Yeah, booze and cigarettes. Right. Um, I like booze and cigarettes too, but I'm not asking you for money. Yep. Well, cigars um, actually, cigars. Sorry, Doc. Yeah, me too. Cigars. I agree. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's you know when when Pelosi they passed without a single Republican vote, um, didn't even have a discussion. They passed uh, the House did they, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker. Um, she passed a 3.4 trillion dollar bill sent it on over to the Senate. McConnell said, this is dead on arrival. Started negotiating. I'll give you, I'll, we'll come up to a trillion. And she's like, absolutely not. And then Trump had to step in two weeks ago and said, I'm gonna start payroll tax suspension. I'm gonna suspend student loan interest and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, still not executive enough. Executive orders. I'm trying to turn this phone off. Yeah. Yep, executive right. orders, exactly, yeah. to, to do all those things. and. Then they came down to two trillion, from three point four to two, and they they won't meet in the middle at all, even though Pelosi knows that it's her people that are getting hurt the most here, you know the people that support that ludicrous policy on that side um, are getting hurt the most, and the rest of the country, like you say, is being asked to pay for it. Um, it's a crime. So, it's a shakedown. Yep, it is. It's just a shakedown. It's going to be uh, a very interesting fall. So uh, I, I think we'll both... He's going to win. Have you made a prediction? Well, um, again, if, if Trump could limit his tweeting, John, <laughs> um, right. he would win going away because of the law and order and because there was no enthusiasm at that Democratic convention. I mean, I listened to the speeches, even Barack Obama's speech. It wasn't hopeful. You know, when he won... When he was strong, Barack Obama, and he's still a great speaker, but his strength is inspiring people. His strength isn't saying he's a bad orange man. Um, we're not, you know, we're going to lose the soul of the country. The country's lost if we don't, you know, this, it's always the most important election of our lifetimes and all the rest. America will survive no matter what. Um, I don't know if it'll election, survive no matter what. Yeah, I don't know if it'll survive. I think it'll survive this election oh. if either guy wins. But um, if we, because for instance, I, I think 
that if indeed Biden got in there and if he did the things that he says he will try to do, John, which are like a national real estate tax, you just sold your place in Western Springs. You live in downtown Chicago. Live in the no, I live, in, I live on the northwest side in a three flat. Okay. It's, northwest side. I can't wait to uh, get out. Right. I, well, mean, I, don't, I need a garden. I don't have a garden here. Imagine, yeah. though, that um, we, in addition to your Chicago tax, you might have a national real estate tax, because that's what Biden has proposed for childcare. He's saying, how do we pay for it? National real estate tax. Really? On top right here, of, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. No. Biden, you don't raise taxes on home. people to get them out of a recession, which is what we're in. And it's a government-imposed recession. It wasn't the banks like 2007, 8, and 9. It wasn't the banks and trading firms or whatever. Right. It, it was strictly Brothers, the government right. overreacting to COVID and saying, instead of saying, we're just going to shut it down for three to six weeks, whatever, have a time frame on it, say, as soon as we flatten that curve down, then we're going to say everybody who's not 70, who doesn't live in a multi-generational household, who doesn't have any of these pre-existing conditions, the rest of you all can go to work. All you other guys will pay you to stay home because it's not gonna be safe for you and you're gonna flood the hospitals. Would've worked, would've worked. We never even had the opportunity to try it because of fear mongering that has that, gone on. 100%. The fear, the selling of fear, the selling of it to the point where that poor idiot in his car alone, keeps his mask on, in his car alone. The Karens of the world. John? I know. Driving me crazy, man. But with the election, Trump gets, look, he's not a nice guy. I mean, no, he's not. He wasn't elected to be a nice guy. He was elected to kick Washington in the special purpose. Yeah, but below the waist. <laughs> and he did. Yep. Right? And they hate him for it. And oh, oh, yeah. China hates him for it. And all those guys making China money are, hate him for it, right? Mm -hmm. Going on now behind the scenes, somebody should admit it. That's part of it. How about when Biden tried to take some credit for the uh, UAE and Israel peace deal? And he said, yes. well, you know, Barack and I, we really sort of, yeah, you were a catalyst for it when you tried to, you know, give Iran a nuclear missile and the rest of the, or nuclear weapons rather, and the rest of the Arab world said, that's not a good idea. <laughs> These yeah, that, guys over here, we don't want them to have nukes. It is, uh, that, that deal between uh, UAE and uh, Israel and the United States, mm -hmm. so significant and important. Of course, Trump won't get credit for it. Um, at all, but by from the media, which is another problem, right? Mm -hmm. I think the country can look. The average guy, the thirty percent that's in between the hard, the Democrats and the Republicans, that average person should understand. In two years, you could you could handle Trump for two years, okay? In two, years, he's going to be a lame duck, right? Right. And if you had Joe Biden. That's uh, for, let's see, he's going to be president, what, for two weeks after he's inaugurated? Two weeks, and then it's Kamala. Yeah, then Kamala for that term, the next term, and the term after, right? Yep. Because it's two, and it's really three terms, two terms. That'll anger Michelle Obama and and, uh, and Barack, because I, I, don't, I, I don't think they wouldn't mind if Trump became president so that Michelle could become president after him. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, just I'm spinning something. It's probably not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just thinking. You're not the first one to spin that one, John. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I've only covered politics for about you know seven thousand years, but that's how I see. It. That's how I see it. Uh, if you have, if you have Biden, the democ the the economy will not come back. No, it'll it'll tank because if the economy, if he's elected. I mean, look at what people are, you're, this is your business. What are people doing with their money right now? Money mm -hmm. markets or something conservative, they're waiting. Even though the market, the, the stock market's going up, they're doing safe stuff with their money. Right? right. I mean, the savings, the number for savings went up dramatically, John. So with, with the payments that people got, 
an awful lot of it went to pay down debt and to go into the bank. Um, some, you know, maybe 3 million, which is a real minority of 335 million, 3 million opened new trading accounts. So that's a good thing. And hopefully some of those guys and gals made money. But yeah, the thought that I'd leave you with, John, maybe is something along the lines of um, numbers don't lie. Um, so what I mean by that is when you're Lori Lightfoot or Bill de Blasio or that idiot Wheeler out in um, Portland, when you're any, or Newsom out in California, the governor, when you're any of those people, when you only have Postmates and Uber Eats and you know taxes on these kinds of businesses rather than the rest of the city of Chicago, New York, Portland, Seattle, when you only have you know people delivering you McDonald's um, with the markup that the city gets from that on Uber Eats or Postmates or whatever, you can't survive. And yet there have been no cuts um, and they continue to spend. For a while, de Blasio was spending $2 million a night to put 13,000 homeless people in hotels in New York. And that's- Because I want the Pierre, please. That's Chateau not a conspiracy Brian, theory. A bottle of cab and uh, the Tyson, all the all the best fights. I want. I wonder if you do get to order up a, a, a room service if, if they put you up in one of those hotels. But I, I'm just a realist, John. When I look at those and I say the numbers don't lie, those cities, all of our cities, cannot survive if we stay shut down. The longer we stay shut down, the more we are pushing the pain off while the government throws out trillions of dollars that they're printing. But that bill does come due. It might be past the time of no return in that you have commercial real estate. Now look at the Aon building in downtown Chicago, in Chicago, right? Thousands of people going through every day. Now yep. hundreds, maybe, maybe a hundred. I'm not just picking one building. Every major uh, commercial real estate is down right when it goes down you tell me because i'm not a money guy when the revenue goes down the the value goes down maybe you could have some great uh and we i know some who might run around and buy up some property but the the main thing is the value is going down and so is the property tax revenue back to the city yep that means that means the homeowner has to pay more like this and mm -hmm. What's the government? No layoffs, no cuts, keep everybody on the payroll. I mean, I know guys who are, you know, working in the water department. You need the water on. You need cops on, right? You need firemen, paramedics. But all the rest of it, no cuts, because that's where their politics is. Who pays for it? The number is the number. Yeah. Commercial real estate. Uh, is tanking because of COVID and other businesses die from the violence, you're killing your cities. Yep. They're, they're all, all going to be upset with Trump for daring to say it. They're all going to be upset with him and yep. Republicans. But You're killing the cities. Um, you are uh, unfortunately uh, making sure that you've widened the disparity gap, the wealth gap, dramatically, you're going to widen it further for generations if these kids don't get an education then. Because as bad as the education may be, John, for the Chicago public schools when those kids actually go to the classroom, but the teacher sees that they've got bruises on their neck or whatever, and, yeah. you know, because, you know, there's been some rough housing or whatever at home, um, some abuse, uh, all of that doesn't get seen right now. Those kids are sitting there at home, the kids, you know, like my kids and yours, you know, that had the iPads or have a computer and the internet are going to be, you know, glued in watching and trying to make sure that they learn. How about those other kids? You really think that our mom? kids are, wait, I know I, my sons are already done, you know, with college, but they were kids, they'd have the screen on and then half the screen would have been like sports highlights. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, can we get real? I mean, 
they're gonna they they'd be watching John Terry uh, center back highlights or uh, which they did during a Bears Packers game, and that's I realized I we had lost them to soccer forever, but <laughs> they they ended up playing in college. But uh, no kid could learn on this thing, this laptop. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates, all those Silicon Giant guys. They send their kids to schools that don't even have computers. They just have these. Mm-hmm. You know that? They don't send their kids to like laptop friendly, like IT friendly schools. Why is that? Because they want them to be able to write in cursive. They want, they want them to be able to, to calculate. Critically. Yep, calculate with their heads instead of, um, you know. I agree, John. I can't thank you enough, sir. This it's has been, been a lot fantastic. of fun, man. It's going to be even more fun when we, when we burn some meat and light a cigar and I try that delicious uh, 18-year-old single malt scotch that you probably will pour for me. I'll pour that. I'll pour yeah. that for sure. Or we'll see you, well, or I'll see you at Carrie's either way. All right. Thanks Thank for you, John. Me. Folks, Bye. John Cass, Chicago Tribune columnist. The podcast is The Chicago Way. Make sure you check that out. And thank you for your time. Appreciate it, Thanks so much. Bye. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.